is anybody else uh, feeling like I am and you cannot believe Easter is just around the corner? Like, d- didn't you feel like you just put away your Christmas stuff? Yeah. yeah, that's how I feel. I feel like my wife and I just put away our Christmas things and Easter is right around the corner and I can't believe it. Um, so I've been asking the Lord, you know, what do you have for us? You know, what, what do you want to teach us, especially as we're, we're leading up uh, to Easter? And I really felt like, you know, let's go back and look at the life of Jesus, right? Uh, there's another, um, uh, like I think a History Channel or, or someone like that's putting on another Life of Jesus movie, uh, you know, where it's several parts and all that kind of stuff. And I have to admit, I cringe when I watch these uh, TV shows done kind of by the secular community because they always throw in something where I just go, that's not in the Bible. You know what I mean? Jesus, did he have a ponytail? I don't know. You know, that kind of stuff. And I just kind of cringe and, and whatever. I mean, that's just someone's interpretation. That's someone's take. But let me tell you guys something. There is nothing better than going and reading it for yourself. There is nothing better than taking time, studying the word of God for yourself. Do not ever... Do not ever, and I, by the way, I did this as a teenager, if there, I had to do a book report, right, in school, and if they made a movie about it, I went and I rented the movie, right, and then I would try to pass that off as my book report. The problem was, is there was always things in the book that didn't make it into the movie, right, right, anybody have that where you read a book and then you went and saw the movie and it was almost completely two different things, right? So the word of God can be like that. Man's interpretation of of, of the word of God can be like that. And that is why it is important for us. And this is really where I'm going with this is you need to read this for yourself. Right. And, And I loved even in the word of God, Paul would talk about even there was this group called the Bereans. Right. And, and he would say, he, Paul loved the Bereans because the Bereans would even test Paul what he was saying against the word of God. And this is Paul. Right. Paul the Apostle, Paul who wrote all these beautiful, wonderful, encouraging letters and all these letters that have helped lead and build the church. And even Paul said, thank God for the Bereans who go and they test the word of God. Everything that comes out of my mouth, they make sure that God, you know, is what the word of God says already. I encourage you to do the same. I encourage you to do the same with me, that just because it comes out of my mouth, that you don't just take everything that Pastor Matthew says as scripture, that you go to scripture for scripture, right? I hope that what I say is encouraging, and I hope that every time that you hear me talk, I am leading you back to Jesus, that I am leading you to search for yourself. I've entitled this, uh, um, this sermon series called Walking with Jesus because that is the kind of experience that I want you to have. I don't want you just to know Jesus. I want you to walk with him. I want you to have the kind of relationship that, it, you know, there's an intimacy. You know, I don't know about you, but uh, a tradition that uh, in my family that we would do is after we would eat dinner, we would go on walks. And it, obviously it only happened usually during the spring and the summer because uh, it was still warm out, but we would go on these walks together, and I really look back at them fondly. I really look back at those times. We could be having a full-on argument, you know, right right before dinner, but we would sit down, have dinner, and then we'd go on a walk, and everything just kind of seemed to just slip away. 
And there's an intimacy in walking together and talking and, and having, and by the way, this was before smartphones, uh, so there were no distractions going on on a walk. For me, the distraction was television. Usually when I, as a teenager, the minute dinner was over, I went and turned on the, the TV, and that's where I zoned out uh, for the rest of the evening. But there's an intimacy. There, there's, there's no distractions when you are walking with Jesus. And by the way, you're not stagnant when you're walking with Jesus. You're, you're making progress. You're, you're, you're walking with him, you know, as he says. And this is where I'm going to start in, uh, in the book of Luke, chapter 9. And I don't have this in my, in my PowerPoint. Uh, but in Luke, chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said these words. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you want to be my follower, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, then here's what you need to do. Other versions say deny yourself, right? Turn from your selfish ways. Pick up your cross daily, right? Which is sacrificial living, which is what I've talked. It's unselfish living. It's waking up every morning saying, today's not about me. Putting others first and especially putting Christ first. Daily picking up your cross and following God. Walking with him. Because let me tell you something about Jesus. He's not going to stand in one place too long. He's going to want to move you. He's going to want to grow you. He's going to want to take you from your circumstance, and he's going to want to get you beyond that. One of my favorite scriptures, and by the way, I, I had read this scripture over and over and over and over so many times before it ever meant anything to me. But one, when I went through one of the darkest times in my life, the scripture finally came alive. And it's the scripture that was penned by David that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because why? Because you are with me. And I get this picture of Jesus saying, listen, I'm not going to get you over it. I'm not going to get you around it. But I promise to walk it with you, to walk through it. Jesus promises to stand and walk with you, but we need to follow him, right? We need to follow him. So I'm going to start with this story in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. We're going to look at the baptism of Jesus Christ. We're going to start here and, and throughout my sermon series, we are going to walk with Jesus. We are going to see what Jesus did, right? Back in, I think it was the 90s when it really became popular, and that was when I was doing children's ministry, WWJD. I think it actually started in the 80s, but it, it really found its, you know, in the early 90s. WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? Okay? But we're going to go beyond just what would Jesus do. We're going to walk with him. We're going we're to experience what Jesus experienced. And we're going to follow after him. Matthew chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. If you have your, your Bibles, you can open your Bibles. If you have your, your, uh, your phones, your smartphones, you can go there. I'm looking at the New Living Translation. Let me read it to you. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. Skipping over to verse 11, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with a never-ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened up and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Jesus was baptized. And it's interesting because why would Jesus need to be baptized, right? He's God. He is the son of God. We, we baptize because we are sinners and we're trying to, you know, repent of our sins. And this is one of the physical acts of showing that. But yet Jesus was baptized. I call this being baptized with Christ. Why is baptism so important? Why is baptism so important? Ever since sin entered the world, the message has always been repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You guys, there is really only one message, and that message has started ever since Adam and Eve sinned. Ever since sin entered the world, there really is only one message, one, I call it an encouragement, but it's also a warning. Repent, repent. Repent means to turn 180 degrees. It means if you're walking down this road, you need to turn around because you are going the wrong way. You are going the way that only leads to destruction, that only leads to death. Repent, turn from your selfish ways. Turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. See, there's two meanings to the kingdom of heaven is near. We, we believe that it means, you know, uh, in fact, Chuck said it perfectly. We don't know what tomorrow brings. Today's a good day to get our life in order. Today's a good day to make that decision, to not let it linger. I used to think when I was younger, uh, and I used to think, you know what? I'll really give my life over to God when I've, when I've got myself more together. I'm a mess right now. I'm a mess, and I'm just going to wait until I get to... Let me tell you something. That will never happen. You will never get yourself together. And by the way, Jesus doesn't demand that. He doesn't ask that. He doesn't say, only come to me when you've got your stuff together. No. He says, come to me, all you who are weary, 
and heavy burdened and what? And I will give you rest. You're not going to find rest on your own. You will never, ever find rest on your own. But Jesus promises rest. But we need to turn. It starts there. The act of, uh, of salvation starts at the moment of repentance. And it's sad, and I'm going to be very honest with you, and it's very hard as a preacher, because sometimes when we tell people to repent, some people say, I don't need to repent. And they go on their ways. So some churches, they don't preach that anymore. They, in fact, they say, go ahead and do whatever you want to do as long as you just keep coming on Sundays. But can I tell you, I would be doing you a disservice. I would be doing an injustice if I didn't warn you, just as John is warning us, repent. Repent, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Not only is the kingdom of heaven, I believe, nearer than ever, meaning the time that Jesus would come back and that he would take us, you know, home with him, but you know, John is also meaning, and he meant it, that the kingdom of heaven is, is now, it's happening. Jesus Christ had come to the, this earth. And it's just as then as it still is now, the kingdom of heaven is here. It's happening. His church is on the move. So when we're saying that the kingdom of heaven is near, we're literally meaning it's, it's a, the opportunity is now. Do not hesitate. Do you see? Do you see, do you feel the urgency? And, and let me go beyond this and say, you know, you might say, well, but Matthew, I'm good. I'm a Christian. But what about the people around us? What about the people that God has put in our sphere of influence? And let me tell you something. We've lost that urgency, right? People are drowning spiritually. People are literally drowning. And we seem to just tell them that it's okay, right? Oh, you know, it's, it's just, just you be you. You know, our culture has changed so much that we're just so accepting of so many things. And by the way, I'm not meaning accepting of people. We need as a church, the, the, the very, you know, most, the biggest thing that we could ever do, the greatest commandment as we talked about is to love, right? Is to love. But we've become accepting of sin. And that is where we need to repent. We need to love people we need to you know bring people in and let them know that the love of God you know can change their life that the love of God but we still need to remember these words we still need to remember the important and the power of these words as scary as it sounds our message still needs to be repent and by the way John was the typical street corner preacher right how many of you have seen him how many of you have gone down to Venice Beach, right, and seen the, the typical street corner preacher, the guy with the sign, turn or burn, right? The kingdom of heaven is near, right? In fact, it's, it's kind of sad. They're depicted in almost every apocalyptic movie, right? Look at every apoc apocalyptic movie, and there's the crazy street corner preacher in his sandwich sign, right? And he looks crazy. His hair's wild. He looks like a homeless guy no, no, normally, but it's interesting because that was John. John was crazy. He was unkept. He was unruly. In fact, he wanted nothing to do with the establishment. He wanted nothing to do with the religious leaders of the day. He didn't dress like them. He didn't look like them. He didn't sound like them. Not only, he, he wanted to get as far away from them as possible. That's why he was in the wilderness. 
crazy. We probably would think John as a homeless, crazy nut today. But yet he was preaching, repent, turn from your sins. You, you know what? No matter what we think of the person, we need to still understand the message. No matter what the person looks like that's delivering the message, we still need to go to the word of God and ask God, is this you? Does your word say this? And by the way, it does. It does say repent. Turn away from your sins for the kingdom of heaven is near. John also said, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John understood his role in life. John understood his role. John had a purpose in life. And what I love about John is is it was not selfish. It was not about me. By the way, John had a following. John had disciples. If John was... Uh, uh, if John was here in today's stage, he had a church, right? He started this movement. He was baptizing people. That's what he did. You know, he was the church crazy, you know, wilderness guy who baptized people. But people were coming. They, they knew. They believed in their heart. In fact, the, 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 uh, the, the baptism was not something that would have been foreign to the Jews. They understood this idea of washing themselves, of being cleansed, and, and this picture of, of you know, being baptized, of the forgiveness of sin. They would have understood that. So John wasn't doing anything that was out of the ordinary, but he was definitely out of the ordinary. And then Jesus comes along. And what I love about John, and by the way, this is every, 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 every pastor, every, every spiritual leader should understand this. When Jesus entered the room, John knew exactly his role, and he stepped back. He knew exactly who was in control. He knew exactly. In fact, John even says, I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals, right? I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. And then Jesus comes to him and says, John, baptize me. And John says, no, right? By the way, does it sound a little familiar? Someone else kind of also did the same thing. No, I'm not even worthy. You should be baptizing me. And John says, or Jesus says, no, because I, you know, I must do what God, you know, is requiring of me. We need to have the heart of John. We need to understand that sometimes we need to get out of Jesus' way. When Jesus enters the room, when the Spirit enters the room, and we try to take control, we need to know, we need to be like John, always pointing people and knowing our role, always pointing people to Jesus, pointing people to Jesus. He said, he is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with a never-ending fire. You guys, this is a scary prophecy. This is a scary warning that John is talking about. This is going to happen. In fact, it's already happening. Now, let me understand. Uh, explain to you the picture that John is painting because we don't understand this, you know, this idea of a winnowing fork and, and, and separating the wheat from the chaff. So when they would bring in all of the wheat, right, after harvest, they, there's still this stuff that was covering it, kind of the outer shell, which was called the chaff. It was useless. 
right? It was useless. They just wanted the wheat which was inside of it. And so they would, they would put it on the floor and they would always do this outside and, and, and it, a nice wind would be really, really nice. And they would take this giant thing that looked like a fork and they would you know, stick it and they would throw it up into the air. And the chaff would blow away and, and the wheat, you know, would kind of fall to the ground. John is saying that Jesus is doing this very thing. That Jesus has come and he is separating those who are truly his followers and those who may just be giving him lip service. He's not just talking about the sinner. In fact, in this story, and, and, I, and I skipped over it, but I do want to address it. John calls the religious leader, you brood of vipers, you snakes in the grass. John was being harsh with the religious leaders of the day because their hearts had grown cold. They, they were trying to control people, not, not bring them into the presence of God. See the difference between what John was trying to do? John was trying to lead people to Jesus with the religious leader. They were trying to control people. They were trying to, you know, oppress them. They were trying to keep them fearful and needing them. And there is a big difference. There is a big, big difference. John had very, very strong words. It's interesting because the only other snake I know in the Bible is Satan himself, right? And yet John, and, I even, and Jesus, by the way, uses the same term for them later on in Matthew. He says, oh, you brood of vipers, you snakes. That had to have been a really big insult because the Jewish leaders would have understood what a snake meant, right? What a viper was. Why was Jesus baptized? Why was Jesus baptized? In verse 15, Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. See, even Jesus was obedient to God. He was obedient to what God was calling him to do with the plan that God had. So why was Jesus baptized? Well, I believe there is at least four reasons, if not more, but at least four reasons why I believe Jesus was baptized. As high priest, he was confessing sin on behalf of the nation, really on behalf of all mankind. You see, only the high priest had the responsibility of making atonement for the nation. And Jesus is doing that exact thing. He was this constant picture that I am your high priest. I go to God on your behalf to make atonement. And, and he was doing this in this very first public act of baptism. Jesus didn't have any sin, and that is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't saying, I'm being baptized because I'm sinful. Jesus was acting as our high priest. He was making atonement for us through the act of baptism. He was showing support for what John was doing. He was saying, yes, this is a good thing. You should do this. This is a good thing. You should physically be baptized because it should be an outward expression of what is happening to you inside right? You, you, have, you have confessed, you have turned from your wicked ways. You are saying, I want the old man to die and I want the new one to be resurrected, to come to life. He was inaugurating his public ministry. Right after this, Jesus goes in and is launched into his ministry. This is a defining moment in Jesus's ministry. He was identifying 
with the penitent people of God, not with the critical, cold religious leaders of the day. You see, the religious leaders walked around and they told everybody else what to do. But you wouldn't necessarily catch them doing all those things. But here comes Jesus. And where does Jesus go? He doesn't go hang out with the religious leaders. He goes to John, right? He goes out into the wilderness and he's baptized with them. He's, he's amongst the people who have a repentive heart. You guys, that is a key message right there. That Jesus is close to those, that Jesus comes and rescues those who have a repentive heart. Jesus isn't close to the religious leader. He's not close to you because you look like you have it all together. That's not even what he's asking. He's not asking you. Jesus never asks you to have it all together. He never asks you to dress a certain way. He never asks you to talk a certain way. He never asks you to present yourself to the public in a certain way. All Jesus wants you to be is repentive. That's it. And that's the people that he wants to hang out with. That's the people that he's close to, is the people that have repentive hearts. Understand that, because can I tell you something? We still, all of us, I've done this myself, we still tend to fall into this, this idea that if I look a certain way, if I act a certain way, then, then, then that'll you know, make me a better Christian, or a, you know, I love it, one of the words we use around here is a super Christian, right? I'm gonna be the super Christian. I'm gonna be the best Christian there ever is, and I'm gonna dress a certain way and talk a certain way, and I'm gonna go to the right church and this and that. Jesus never ever asked us of that. And if you believe that, then you believe falsely and you don't understand who he is and you're not walking with him. He only asks us to have a repentive heart. He only ever, ever asked you to have a repentive heart. Verse 16 says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. You know what I realized? Besides, like, the story of creation, I was trying to think of another story where the entire Trinity is together in Scripture. And this is definitely one of them. And you need to make note of that because that means something significant is happening here because the voice of the Lord is heard. Jesus Christ is in, you know, in his full fulfillment of, of prophecy and here he is, he's, he's here with us and the Holy Spirit is descending on him. There is the picture of the Trinity in yet one sentence. This is huge. This says, you guys, you take note of this. This is important. God in his completeness has shown up to this moment. So why should we be water baptized? Well, first of all, it is a sign of repentance. It is a sign of repentance, you guys. It, and let's not get this confused. There's... Some people that believe the only way you're saved is to be water baptized. I don't believe that that's what's being said. What I believe is being said is through repentance and through your belief and faith in Jesus Christ, you then become water baptized to show the world what is happening to you. It's kind of a way of saying, you know what? I am making this a big deal. I am letting you know I have chosen the direction that I am going in. 
There's an accountability too, right? Not just thinking something in your head because you could talk yourself out of something that you're just thinking in your head. But when you've gone out there and proclaimed it and you've let other people know, there's an accountability to that. But it's also part of that scripture that says if you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? And Jesus even said that if you confess me before man, right, that I will confess you before my Father in heaven. Right? We're making a declaration. We are making it known how we are feeling inside. And, and remember, Jesus sends us his Holy Spirit. When we repent, when we ask Jesus into our life, when we repent of our sins, he sends us his Holy Spirit. It's also, it is letting the world know what has happened in your heart. And third, because Jesus was baptized. We are acknowledging our death and resurrection with him. You see, now because of what Jesus has done, what Jesus did on the cross, we are now baptized with him. We are now taking part in his death and his resurrection, right? We are now saying, my sins are now dead and I am now a new creation. This is, this is the act, this is why we are baptized. I want to conclude with this. I want to encourage you to be like John. Be like John. Always be pointing people to Jesus. Always be pointing people to Jesus. If you see me, you should be seeing me pointing to Jesus. And just like John, there's a simple message. And can I tell you, will you lose friends over this? Yes. Will you lose family members over this? Yes. But let me tell you something. They won't be able, when Jesus comes, they won't be able to get around this. And if you don't say it, and if you're not honest with people, you may lose a friendship here on earth, but I, so, but I would rather see them in all eternity and lose, lose a family member here on earth. The message is repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But I also want to follow Jesus. I also want to follow Jesus, and I want to be like Jesus. I want to walk with him. I want to do what he did. If you have never, ever been water baptized, and, and you would like to be, we are actually going to do a water baptism service the Sunday after Easter. So you've got some time to think about it. You've got some time to pray about it. You've got some time. But like Chuck said, the time is now. Tomorrow is not assured to us. The time is now. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I want you to hear my message this morning because it's really simple. And it's not something that I'm making up. It's in scripture. The message is this, repent, repent. It's not an angry message, it's a warning, but there should also be hope with it because when you do, Jesus is near and he sends you his Holy Spirit and he forgives you of your sin 
and you become a new creation. It says the old man is dead. The old person dies, and there is a new birth. You become a new creation. If you have never done that, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have never repented of your sin, and you want to do that right here and right now and say, you know what, I don't want to let another moment go by. I don't want to let another day go by without getting my life in order, without living my life for God. Will you just simply raise your hand? Will you simply open up your eyes and, and, and look at me as a sign of saying, yes, today is the day. Today is the day that I'm going to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Today is the day that I'm going to ask him to forgive me of my sins, that I'm going to start anew, afresh. If that is you, just simply look up at me. Simply raise your hand and just the, the quiet and the privacy of this moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you. And also, I'm going to encourage you, if you have never, ever been water baptized and you want to do that, you feel like God is prompting you to do this, let me know. Let me know. We are going to hold another baptism service in just a few weeks. And I would love, I would love, love, love to do that with you. Father God, we thank you for this day. Lord God, I thank you for those who you are speaking to. I thank you for, for Lord, even though sometimes the message is difficult, but it's because you love us. Jesus, you were close to those who had repentive hearts. Lord, you were close to those who humbled themselves. Lord, you were close to those. Lord, you, you did not like the religious leaders who were false, who were fake. So Lord, help us to be real. Help us to be real for you and help us to carry this message to the whole world. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.